Do you want to run further, faster, or stronger? Do you want to enjoy your running more and generally be a better version of yourself? You're in the right place. I'm your host, Alan Ladd, a running coach and nutritionist. My aim is to help you improve your running from 5Ks to ultras by providing you with the knowledge and tools you need on training, nutrition, and mindset, as well as giving you the inspiration to dream bigger, achieve more in your running, and to make it fun at the same time. Welcome to the Running Rules Podcast. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Running Rules Podcast. Today, I've got um, an exciting guest for you, Helen Gearing. Uh, Helen is a long-haul pilot by day and night. Uh, she's also a nutritionist helping clients lose weight and build confidence through her company, Take Flight Nutrition. And she's also a runner taking on some longer challenges this year. Um, so there's loads of things that I want to get into talking to with Helen. Um, she ran her first marathon, sorry, first half marathon at London Landmarks in April and is going to be running her first marathon in October in Venice. Um, very excited to have you here, Helen. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be invited on. So let's start then with a little bit of your backstory and you can include whatever you, you like here, but um, I guess I'm, we're interested in how you got into running um, and what you might have done before that, because I think it's it's relatively, well, uh, talking to you before, it's been relatively new coming back to it, but you have run in the past before that as well. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so funnily enough, I think our backstory is fairly similar when you take it back to uh, school times. So, you know, I was the academic uh, kid, not sporty, last to be picked for all the teams, all that sort of thing. Um, very low confident uh, in individual. Um, so I didn't actually uh, put on a pair of running shoes until I was in my 30s. Um, and really, uh, I only wanted to do that because I didn't want to pay for a gym. Um, so apart from a brief attempt at running around a local park at university in, in my early 20s, late teens, um, and I think I did a, a race for life um, from in a previous career, um, dressed up as a Lego man and sort of shuffled around at a walking pace. That was sort of my first introduction um, to anything that was sort of longer than, you know, down the road on my feet. Um, but uh, what actually got me uh, into running was the couch to 5K initially. And again, it was very much of, I don't want to pay for a gym. I'm going to go out and I'm going to run. But this time kind of had a little bit of structure to it with the couch to 5K. Um, I think I got up to running about 15, 20 minutes nonstop. And then a brand new running group started in my local area uh, in Hampshire back then. And I'd always been put off by, you know, these athletic clubs that all these uh, lean, long legged runners doing their Monday night runs, whatever it was, you know, that was never going to be me. And this new group uh, opened up uh, with a, which is a Run England initiative, I think, back, it must have been about 2010. And um, this lady started it up and it was basically to get people who'd never run before into running. Um, so I got in touch with her. I had a chat because of what I'd already done. She said, oh, you should come to the intermediate because uh, you've already got, you know, a little bit of running and you about. So, so I show up and she's like, OK, well, I'm assuming everyone here can run 5K. So my eyes just popped out my skull. I'm like, well, I managed to run 20 minutes ish nonstop last week. So I freaked out. But in that first uh, session with her uh, and a couple of other people, um, I actually did run my first ever 5K, got elated from that. I think being around the other people really helped with that. So I joined the group, uh, ran once a week, twice a week with them. And, um, and it was from being a member of that group and having some sort of accountability really that of wanting to impress the coach or um, because it was more informal, um, I, I worked up and actually did my first 10K. Again, I get a little bit lost with years, but it must have mm. been maybe 2011, something like that in Eastleigh. I think it was Eastleigh 10K, uh, which was tough. 
Um, but then again, throughout sort of between 2010, 2015, 16, um, I did the Great South Run uh, a couple of times. And then I got and actually did a Tough Mudder, did some of the Hell Runner, the sort of obstacle course races. So my running evolved a little bit to be intertwined with uh, sort of strength and functional training. Um, so that was sort of my first um running experience really in my early 30s and then I stopped completely and got into weight training and, and training for physique and photo shoots so really completely opposite and I didn't do any cardio at all um for five or six years so um we just kind of ignore that part because running just took a back seat in fact it didn't happen at all um until- well, I guess it's interesting because um I'm interested to know what changed at that point. Were you so you said you started getting into these tough, tough mudder races um mm. for the strength aspect? Did that lead you into the, the the gym work or was it a completely different reason for for moving away from the running? Did you sure. stop enjoying the running or I I it's a really good question because I think it was around about probably tw- 2000 ooh, uh, yeah 2004 five I actually joined a gym as well and I uh, had a personal trainer once a week and I hadn't really ever done any sort of strength training and it was this little small gym where they wanted to get a team together to do um the tough mudder and at this point I was very much a runner uh, who did a little bit of strength training and um and so I just got involved in doing that, but I'd, I'd never really prioritized strength training. And because I was doing a little bit more of it, perhaps you're right. I'm, I'm not sure I hadn't really thought about it that way, but it put that seed in my mind to, to, to perhaps move that way. And, but the actual strength came in, came about when I, I, I joined a local leisure center and I was really inspired by um, one of my first, well, probably my second or third personal trainer who was a, 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 a looked amazingly, a, a youngish girl, but had done a photo shoot. I thought, I want to look like that mm. and spoke to her, started training with her initially, but then got an online coach to actually go to a photo shoot. So Again, I think I've heard you mention in your podcast, you sort of really get into things and get really intense in them before then moving on to something else. And I've been like that my whole life. So all of a sudden it was like, right, photo shoot, what do I need to do for this? Um, Got an online coach and the cardio stopped. But what did come into play there was more the nutrition. And that was really the start of my own nutrition journey, Uh, Mm. not just in my physical endeavors, but, you know, with with eventually having my own uh, nutrition company. Um, but yeah, the, the running did just, it literally just stopped o- overnight. And I found this huge love of, of lifting heavy things. And, it, and I have to say it worked, you know, I absolutely transformed my body sort of at the age of 37, 38, it was in, I say the best shape I've ever been in. Well, you would say that to look at me, but actually, um, yeah. um, anyone who's sort of in that, that field will know that actually when you are looking that lean and toned you're probably not in in the best health you've ever been um but um I did that um consistently for years did the photo shoot and then I was moving on to actually getting into competing uh in that physique space and I was due to compete in 2020 and we all know what happened in 2020 um so it was still it was still a goal um but I don't want to go off on any tangents here. I know this is a running podcast, but I guess, you know, bringing these things in does sort of give you a bit more of a background of where I am right now. But um, so I uh, I did my nutrition course actually during lockdown because as a long haul pilot, there was very little long haul flying. Um, and so I was lifting weights in my front room, going for walks and learning nutrition because I'd learned a lot about what worked for bodybuilding type nutrition but I didn't really know anything about any other sort of nutrition and and I'd wanted to do it for a while so um hence doing uh the course uh, of course we were course mates yes, and, that's right. um, I met I didn't I failed to mention that at the start that's how we <laughs> know each other so yeah. um and so you know that the, the pandemic for many reasons was um was hard but also a blessing in disguise certainly when it came to furthering my my second a career doing doing the nutrition but yeah the 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 dreams of the the competing sort of went away the more I learned about nutrition actually the less keen I became on on pushing myself to those extremes 
Um, and also, uh, trying to cut a fairly long story short, the beginning of 2021 um, was when I, I met my, my current partner, also on Alan. And um, he is a runner. He has run three marathons. He's run an ultra marathon as well. And um, just through being with him, I kind of, he helped get my running mojo back. I thought, you know what? As much as I love lifting weights, I think there is certainly an element of cardiovascular health that I've been missing out on. And perhaps I'll get out and do a run around the block, do a 5K. So, so he sort of got my um, running mojo back a little bit. And that would have been beginning of 2021. So a couple of years ago, uh, things went really well with Alan and uh, I moved in. I now live in West Sussex. So I moved counties and I thought in order, in order to make friends. Um, what about joining a, a running group? So I wanted to find something similar to what I'd been in previously, not an athletics club. Um, that's not not me. Um, but there's a, a local group here called uh, Foxy Ladies. So shout out to the Foxy Ladies uh, in Worthing, if I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, Hi, Foxy but, Ladies. <laughs> so uh, I joined with them with with two views: one to um, you know get back into running, get my cardiovascular health up, and make friends. And it has been absolutely fantastic. Ticked all those boxes. So many influential women of all ages, all shapes, all sizes, all backgrounds, um, who are running five k's, ten k's, half marathons, marathons ultra marathons multiple ultra marathons and they I've just been so inspired by these ladies I'm like I need a bit of this in my life and with you know the hugely supportive partner that I have in in Alan uh, encouraging me um I've gone on leaps and bounds and now uh this year 2023 I decided to give myself the endurance goal of actually being in that one percent that you talk about of people who actually get up and run a marathon so we're halfway through the year. I've got two half marathons under my belt, my first two ever half marathons this year. And then, yeah, moving on to the end of the year and, and fingers crossed I'll comp complete that 26.2 in, in Venice in October. Brilliant. So, that's, that's a fantastic journey. And I yeah. think it's 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 really important to point out that the, um, the value of, of groups of people and running clubs and the fact that I think there sometimes is this conception or misconception that running clubs are really, really serious places where only the serious runners go. And if you're only just starting out, you couldn't possibly go to a running club. You would have to do a couch to 5K, which you did, um, either on your own or with a specific couch to 5K group. And that's definitely a, the, the best way of getting started, I would, I would say but probably doing it in that setting with other people is even more beneficial because if you're out doing it on your own, then it's, it can be difficult to sort of keep that going and keeping, keeping that motivation going. So either having someone else that you're doing it with at the same time or finding a running group. But then after that, once you've got to that 5k, there's so many groups out there that um, there obviously are some very high level ones that are athletic clubs that are really based on you know driving home the performance aspect of it but there's so many more i would say the vast majority of them where everyone is welcome and the, like you say there's so many different ages um body types um speeds abilities and everyone's just doing their own thing but all sort of motivating each other to go further and forwards um, so it's, it, it's really valuable point to make there. Um, and then yes, like, as you said, you completed your first half marathon and it wasn't just any local mm -hmm. half marathon down the street it was the London landmarks half marathon, which I've not actually done yet, but I did have a client running this year. So I know a bit more about it than I did before, but it looks like a great course. Tell us a bit about how that went and, and what the experience was like doing such a big race like that as your first half marathon well first of all I was incredibly surprised to get in I, I hadn't realized that you know much like the London marathon it, it is a ballot race I thought oh, that, that looks quite good you know and and also with my um work schedule I work three weeks on one week off um so when I'm planning races I have to look ahead and see well 
when do, when is my week off? I mean, I'm lucky that I'm part time. I can do that. Um, well, my colleagues who are full time don't have that luxury, but I can look ahead and see well what races are available and London landmarks just there. So, oh, you know, let, let's give it a go. So I put in for it. And amazingly, both myself and Alan both got in. Um, oh, this is easy peasy, you know, great. Um, and and then it, it became apparent afterwards, oh, you're so lucky. Mm. I'm like, all right, I better make this good then, hadn't I? You know, if um, the stakes are high here. But yeah, it was such an amazing experience. Um, you know, I was quite nervous. I didn't know if I was going to do it. I've never run that distance before, but the crowds, the atmosphere there certainly spurs you on and and, and gets the adrenaline adrenaline up. Um, it was also really lovely to be able to share it with Alan, who's who's obviously a lot a lot faster than I am, but he ran with me the whole way. So I did have that support the whole way through, even when I was struggling with with a little injury niggle that I had, you know, he was there. But what was amazing that people were were shouting my name, you know, it was obviously on on my my bib, but complete strangers, because the only support I had there was Alan, who was by my side. But, you know, there was nobody else there supporting, but but there were, everybody was, and there were claps, kids high-fiving, and obviously, you know, a little bit akin to a mini London marathon. So having all those sites around really, really was just so fantastic. Um, and I'd I think you almost anyone, get sorry. Yeah, I know I'd encourage anyone to get to, you know, a big city event if they can, because, you know, you've just you just get carried around on a wave of support. Yeah, I think it, you almost looking at the the route, I think it's almost possibly better i'm going to say than, than london marathon obviously london marathon is almost like the pinnacle of certainly uk racing it that you yeah. know that's the one that most people want to do and i'm i'm not saying anything again against london marathon because it is an amazing experience but it's akin to what you've just said there mm-hmm. but i think looking at that that course for landmarks it's almost you get all of the sites in there whereas at london there are definitely bits where you're in through the dock docks areas and obviously the support's great but not necessarily the sites are not necessarily as great there and maybe through the start areas as well until you get to Cutty Sark there's you know there's there's miles there where it's it's a little bit nondescript you know you haven't got the iconic landmarks and I suppose that's why it's called the landmarks half we call it the landmark and then there were the landmarks and there are actually I I think I spotted a couple of information boards which which gave you information about the landmarks but it's probably about at least a paragraph and a half I'm I'm not (laughs) entirely sure how they're expecting you to read that when you're running you're running around but uh, but hey ho any anyone who was walking around other spectators got got to read about Big Ben or you know (laughs) whatever the landmark they were interested in at the time uh, but yeah, it, and it was it was a great day weather-wise as well. We're very lucky. Yeah, that makes a big difference, I think. Um, and I suppose start of April, you could get anything, really. Um, you yeah. could get an absolute washout or, I mean, occasionally at London Marathon, which is a few weeks later. I remember, I think it was 2018. It was an absolute scorcher of a year. Um, not that I was there. I missed that one. But um, a lot of my club mates went over and it was it was very hot um so I guess you don't know what you're going to get so if you get a good day it's it makes all the difference I definitely think that I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of pros and cons between doing a local event as your first half marathon and a big event like that because there's a lot of logistics to get right as well Mm. um you know you, you can't just sort of roll out of bed and and walk down the road you know you've got to get to the start area for a certain time and you know you're right wave and you've got to look at you know the logistics on the course in terms of the the where the water stops are and everything um you can't just have people handing you stuff because you know as you said there's so many people there so did you find the logistics um overwhelming or did you because you had Alan there and he's done it before did you feel like that helped you through it 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he's done London Marathon. Uh, he hadn't done London London Landmark. So it, it was still, you know, we still had to think ahead. Luckily for me, I'm quite organized and think ahead quite a lot at work. So, you know, I'm, I, I didn't find it too too bad luckily my brother lives um southeast london so we had a place to stay uh, overnight so we were on an early train and we were in london in in around about 25 minutes um and then it was just a case of uh, finding out where we were supposed to go and funnily enough there's lots of other people doing a half marathon in london that day so you kind of just follow the trail um it was a little bit chilly uh in in the morning so again i mean i if you google google you know tips for races you, you'll probably find that the same sort of things in there that i will mention that we did but again uh, we just had disposable jackets on uh that you can throw off you can keep those on at the start and then and then drop them and they take them to charity so i definitely make sure if you haven't got something you're willing to lose pop into your local charity shop but buy a hoodie for a couple of quid and and then drop it back um personally wise would i change anything uh again you mentioned lo- logistics just know at the end where the bloody buses are with your bags on because we got to the end and you know i actually struggled a little bit um at, at the last sort of three miles i had uh, real issues with with my uh hip my glute and i kind of fell through the finish line and hobbled around a bit and it would have been nice if those buses had been, just been there but uh, it, it was a little bit frustrating at the end finding out exactly where the buses are and there's so many people in london sometimes you're not going to get a signal on your phone so you know don't just plan the start plan the end as well um at least the initial direction you've got to head because that i found quite uh, frustrating um and then the usual things like give yourself plenty of time to get to the loo you don't want to be rushing that um if, you, if you're fueling you know sort out when you're going to have your caffeine um but yeah f- fueling for a race is still a learning process for me so um if you've got a coach or have some sort of protocol then you know practice that and i'm learning that now uh, the L- London landmarks I went in without any coaching, without any training plan. I just ran, didn't really know anything about the fueling. So anything you can do, you know, t- t- 10 minutes of prep before a race is probably worth an hour's worth of frustration once you actually get there and get down to the integrity of it. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you're you're well organized and uh, probably better organized than I ever was. I mean, I think races are about the thing I'm most organized for because I know that like you say, 10 minutes of prep can save hours of stress. Um, but it, it's a really good point about planning the end of the race, uh, which is probably one area that I don't focus on enough on possibly. You know, you focus on all the prep before it and all the the um, execution of the race. But definitely afterwards, especially if you've just run a long way at quite high intensity, your brain's sometimes not really working that well either. Uh, not not just the phone signal, but yeah. Um, so it's definitely a good idea to have that plan down. What are you going to do straight after? Because it can be a bit disorientating, especially in those those big races. Like you say, you need to find where your bag are. I mean, quite a lot of the big races, you have to basically walk past um, the you know the buses. But like you say, if there's a lot of buses and a lot of people there you still got to find which one is yours or what area you're in um exactly and it wasn't right at the end I think I think we must have walked another mile again brain fog but it it wasn't a short journey to to find them and you know you'd think there'd be nice big arrows bags this way and and there just weren't um but um so yeah having an idea of that um is certainly helpful for sure so let's talk a bit about your job. I'm really interested to talk about um, how you manage um, such a, I guess, a long, long stretches of working. And then you've also got your business on the side and you're now running longer races. So how do you, first of all, how do you fit in everything, but especially the training aspect? I mean, how are you, how are you structuring your training around work and um your business and everything else that you've got going on 
Yeah, so, I mean, I'm about to find out over the next few months, I think, uh, even more so how that's going to work, because obviously my my marathon is the end of October. So we're literally getting to the point now where marathon training is going to start in earnest. And this is a new area for me. Um, so but what what I've uh, been doing so far is that I just have to have a very flexible approach around it. So. I'll have a look at what my roster's looking like uh, for the week. Um, being long haul, it's 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 going to be one trip somewhere, and that will cover between three and and six days. So the first thing I do when I look at my roster is I plan my long run. What day can I do that? And generally, I will plan that to be at home um, because. You know, I know where I live now, there's the options, there's people to run with, there's that when it's difficult to plan anything longer than I would say 10k when you're in a an unusual city. Um, plus, you know, you're not entirely sure where the safer areas are. Uh, the weather obviously can be very different. So the first thing I'll do is plan that long run at home. Um, so unlike most people who have a structured week of, you know, maybe doing a short run on Monday, strength sessions, tempo runs, whatever it is, and then a long run on Saturday or Sunday, mine changes every single week. Um, so I have two more sessions that I do runs. Um, I'm working with a, an online coach, uh, a strength and running coach. So I see what he has planned for me for the week. And then, you know, after the long run, I say, well, where can I do the other things? And recently, the other things have been two strength sessions, um, a 30 or 40 minute uh, easy run and then uh, a speed session. So while I've got that list of things, I look at what destination that I'm going to and what's going to be available there. Uh, I've been most places on the network, so I have a good idea of what the gym's like there, what the weather's going to be like there. So if there's an opportunity to do um, my slower run, my easy run, uh, somewhere, for example, like New York is ideal because we're about a mile away from Central Park. So I can tick off a, a run around Central Park, which is quite a perk of the job. Um, but if it's somewhere where we um, don't really leave the hotel, somewhere like Lagos, for example, uh, it's very hot there. You certainly can't get out for a run. The treadmills may or may not work in the gym, um, but then I might plan a strength session there because they've usually got a rack with dumbbells and I can I can uh, improvise with with my strength uh, strength work. Um, somewhere they, where you might have a more reliable treadmill, treadmill uh, somewhere like Doha, way too hot to run outside. You know, you're up in the 40s, so I just wouldn't contemplate it. But they do have a reliable gym. They're normally pretty good. So I'll look at that and go, OK, well, I can do my speed work on the treadmill there. Um, so it's just looking at what's there and fitting it in. I'm lucky enough to have a little home gym here. So I may well schedule one of my strength sessions at home and one in a gym down route. Um, but the, the runs um, can, depending on where I'm going in the time of year, be put in then. And quite honestly, Alan, sometimes, you know, I just have to skip a session. I might have to drop a strength session or I might have to drop an easy run. But the two uh, non-negotiables each week are the long run and the, the speed session. And personally for me, the strength training because you know I'm ingrained I'm a gym bunny like to 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 miss those um would uh, a very unhappy Helen would make <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it, it it does have certainly does have um its its issues planning it um coupled with that um is you know figuring out when and how I'm going to get my rest in because I can't even if I have a day off if it's the day after an overnight flight from somewhere, if affectionately known as landing day. So I say, you know, let's, let's use New York as an example again. You know, normally we'll be checking in in New York to fly back to London, you know, anything from 10 p.m. UK time to 2 a.m. You then fly overnight. There's only two of you on these flights because it's a short, in inverted commas, flight. Um, so you don't get 
to go off and uh, to the bunks. So, you know, you have to manage your rest down route. Um, so when you're landing into London, you know, five, six, seven, eight a.m., um, then driving home, the last thing you want to be doing uh, is any sort of session at all. So it wipes a whole day out of your schedule. Um, I have attempted to do my uh, easy run on landing day. Um, I'll normally have a sleep for, you know, three or four hours when I get in, depending on how I feel, then I might. But generally now I'm sort of over 40. Um, that's less easy to do. So can't give you a definitive answer on what my schedule is, but I hope that gives you a little brief insight as to how I do have to mix things around. And in the coming months, I'm going to have to be a little bit more on it as well, because I can only imagine the intensity is going to get get higher. I think that's that's so valuable for people out there to to hear that someone with such a, a changeable job can still fit in things. But you do have to plan ahead and you're releasing some of the coaching secrets here. For, definitely for a marathon, the long run is definitely the most important of the week and getting that scheduled in and that sort of being the the um, pivotal point of the week. And yes, if you've got a changing job or a shift shift job, it might not be possible to have that in the same place every week. And, and that's fine. I think people so many plans out there that that are just based on a weekly cycle and you know the week is a is a man-made thing and the marathon's a man-made thing so it's all it's just that's the way we think about these things and and you have to think outside the box definitely if you're if you're doing something like you are doing um and the other thing that was really uh interesting there is is being happy enough to drop a session and and realizing that a marathon training plan is going to be you know 16 18 20 weeks something like that and you know one missed session or a few missed sessions here and there are not going to make um much of a difference at all um it's going to be you know a couple of percent out of the whole the whole program so if if you're managing to hit most of the long runs you're still going to be fine um if you're hitting most of the other sessions, you're going to be fine as well. Um, so it's it's really interesting. And, and I think a message to anyone out there who thinks, well, I don't have time for this because X, Y, and Z, there's always little pockets of time that you can find. The one thing is if you can't find time for the long run, then it's going to be difficult. But if you can find a place for that to go, then other bits can fit into your schedule. Um, you just have to sort of mold them around what you're doing um, yeah and exactly and sometimes you know I may actually have a day where my 30 to 40 minute easy run is a 30 minute easy run and then later on in the day I'll do uh the strength session you know so sometimes it is possible to to double up I mean I'm lucky in that with with my my main job flying you know I, I am only working when I'm at work Apart from a couple of times a year when there's there's some um, outside work I, ha I have to do for valid validity reasons, keeping my license valid and various other bits. Generally, I don't bring work home with me and, and my business as well. Take Flight Nutrition, that's 100 percent transportable. So, you know, I travel with my laptop, my phone um, using time blocking effectively to, to sort of fit in all of these things. Um is really helpful. So I am lucky, you know, in the, in that respect that I just have to utilize time well. And I don't, I'm not always good at that. Procrastination is one of my specialities. Um, but, um, but, you know, by, by using sort of tools that I, I help my clients with, but like things like um, time blocking and, and putting me first um, for, you know, the restful elephant, elephants, <laughs> the restful elements, um, as well as the training um is is helpful yeah that's great and you've mentioned sleep a little bit there um and how important that is obviously mm -hmm. if you've had a long flight or a long day then you need to get that rest in and like you say you don't want to be training even if it's an easy run um you might get away with an easy run but you certainly don't want to be doing anything intense after you know when you're really tired how do you how do you manage sleep um when you're away? Do you stay on UK time and and try and keep keep sleeping in those those pockets, or is it not really possible to do that? Uh, it depends. So sleep is 
uh, a big issue and it's something I'm very 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 passionate about I think sleep should probably be number one on anybody's priority list above training above above maybe even nutrition or at least as important and of course as a long-haul pilot this is something that unfortunately gets taken out of my control quite quite frequently in fact it's one of the reasons I actually went part-time um was to actually gain at least one night per month out of bed back um I'm already losing between three and four uh, full nights proper sleep per month uh, by my choice of career, which is hugely uh, detrimental. Uh, I know it's going to have an effect on my uh, health long term. I, I just know it is. So I do everything within my power around that to try and mitigate it, uh, which involves lots of naps. Um, so I do try and stay on UK time if my layover is short. Um, I hate to use New York again, but it's a good example of how I would manage my time. So, you know, I do a flight over to to New York and then depending what time we land will dictate what I do sleep wise, activity wise, etc. Generally, if I'm landing somewhere and it's, say, 11 p.m. UK time, I think New York's about five hours be, uh, behind. So, you know, the. <laughs> The option is uh, is to go out and have a few drinks or, or go for a run or, or whatever. But if it's if it's sort of the time I would normally be in bed, then I'll go to bed. Um, obviously, going to wake up quite early on local time. But I actually carry with me a SAD light. Uh, it's SAD stands for Seasonal Affective Disorder. Uh, whether some of your listeners may have heard of it or, or not, but um, seasonal affective disorder is is where people suffer from lack of light, usually in the winter months. Um, and it's because it's certain wavelengths of light, specifically morning wavelengths of light that actually kickstart our body clock. So I carry a satellite with me on these trips. And when it's, you know, the equivalent of five or six in the morning in the UK, I'll plug this in, in my room uh, in New York or wherever. And that simulates uh, morning light. So as far as my body is concerned, it's still on UK time because it's had that hit of that um, cortisol hit, adrenaline hit that I'm used to getting from morning light. So as far as my body concerned, oh, she's still in the UK. And then I will continue my day uh, as if I was in the UK. So I'll eat breakfast as if I was in the UK. I'll go out and do a run, do a workout as if I was in the UK. And it just becomes later on in the day, because obviously we're going to have an overnight flight. It becomes a little bit disrupted. So I do prioritize a post a pre-flight nap. Um, so around about three hours before we're due to leave the hotel, I'll I'll go to sleep. Well, I will go to bed, <laughs> whether or not I sleep. Um, but I certainly uh, give myself the opportunity to sleep. And even if I don't, it's still classed as non-sleep deep rest, um, which still is uh, rejuvenating for, for the body. Um, and then, yeah, I'm up an hour before pickup and off we go and we do the, we do the overnight flight. Um, if it's uh, three or more crew, then we get the luxury of a break. Um, if it's overnight, obviously I'll go straight. We have the bunks normally uh, hidden above first our business class. We have a little bed and a little chair up there. So uh, we'll divide the uh, the, um, the quieter flight, quieter times of the flight into three, and we'll take rest there. Um, uh, but otherwise, yeah, you're kind of up and um, you know working. You you can actually uh, close your eyes for up to 30, 40 minutes as long as the other pilot is alert. It's called controlled rest. It's actually been sh uh, shown to actually enhance alertness and. Um, you know, performance uh, in pilots. So uh, we do do that. Uh, don't be alarmed, anyone listening. It's a perfectly normal part of uh, procedures. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I kind of have a, I used to have a 12 p.m. rule. So if I was to get home before 12 p.m., um, I'd go to sleep for two or three, maybe even four hours, then get up, um, rest the, re the rest of the day, and then go to bed at normal UK time. That 12 p.m. has kind of moved up to 1 p.m., maybe even 2 p.m. because of what I've learned about the importance of sleep. You know, I will always prioritize it. 
Um, and basically, that's just just how I have to manage it. If if a layover is 48 hours or more, it might be slightly different. Uh, I might, you know, I will never fully get onto local time unless I'm there for three days or more. Uh, so it will be some sort of hybrid. But the satellite I find invaluable and timing and my nutrition as well, because not only do we have our body clock, we have kind of circadian clocks in every single cell in our body and they all act at different times. Uh, so your gut clock works differently to your brain clock. Um, so, you know, trying to keep them all in sync is is incredibly difficult, especially if you're going east one week and west the next. Mm. So um, I hope that's um, explained it a little bit. But again, just like my training, it has to be adapted um, to wherever it is in the world. And, and again, once I'm back home, how long I've got before the next trip will also dictate how I prioritize rest at home as well. Um, yeah, I think um, it's great that you point out about sleep being so important because it's definitely one of those things that is not that interesting necessarily to talk about in in general terms until you unless you want to get really deep into what it's all about and and how it all works which is quite fascinating which we're probably not going to get onto in this topic and in this conversation <laughs> but maybe another time um but in general terms i think it's it's something that people undervalue massively um and it yeah. sounds like it sounds to me that you've had to address it because obviously it it's right in front of you. You know that you're going to have trouble with your your sleep if you don't address things because you know the the hours that you have to work. But I think a lot of people who don't necessarily have those those issues and maybe just have a normal nine to five job it becomes one of those things that is sort of put down the list of priorities because we don't think it's that important or we don't really think there's a problem there. Um, but it definitely, it can definitely massively affect your, your training and your nutrition. I mean, I know myself when I've had a bad sleep, you know, I don't make the best choices the next day. I, I don't usually have a great training session the next day. I mean, sometimes you get away with it if it's just an odd bad night's sleep um mm. i mean a typical example would be before a big race i quite often don't sleep that well the night before a big race like a marathon and i think in a one-off situation like that it's probably going to be fine and the the adrenaline of the the situation and uh, and the focus that you have on that big event is going to carry you through and so i don't want anyone here thinking oh i didn't get a good night's sleep the night before a marathon so it's all going to be it's all going to be terrible, but I definitely think um, if you're regularly missing sleep or or not having good night's sleep, um, that can really sort of have a you know a constant effect on your training and your nutrition choices. Um, so it, it's great that you've highlighted it, um, but I think for general people, general population as well, I think more can be done, more focus can be put into that area of sleep. Is there anything you want to sort of expand on that or do, do you want to move into nutrition because obviously we want to talk about your your company take flight nutrition as well but i guess sleep's a big part of what you would coach clients on as well yeah it, it absolutely is and honestly it's sort of top top of the list uh, sleep and, and and hydration are a lot of things that we talk about because the hydration is very very important uh when you're flying as well but I, I just think sleep is just one of the best preemptive medicines that we can that we can take. You know, we're so focused these days on, um, you know, fixing problems, going to the doctors and getting pills to fix X, Y and Z when so many of the issues that we have could actually be prevented, first of all, by doing things such as uh, prioritizing sleep. I mean, they say eight hours a night. Do you know what? I would just encourage anyone to give yourself eight hours sleep opportunity, not necessarily sleep, but, you know, come up with some sort of wind down uh, technique for an hour before bed. There's so many things that you can do that help you sleep. You know, I hand out um, lots of information on, on this uh, to, to my clients, both through talking about it and through, um, you know, documents that I've produced. But it's that opportunity. It, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to be asleep for eight hours, but being in bed with the lights off, not playing on your phone, you know, crack the window open, get some breeze in, keep it nice and dark. 
And if you give yourselves those eight hours, you're probably going to get between five and seven hours of quality sleep uh, in that time. So don't stress about needing eight hours. Just just give yourself that opportunity. Take a look at what time you need to be up the next morning. Work it backwards. Then take an hour off for that wind down time. Um, And it can do absolute wonders for every single aspect of your health. It absolutely can. I, I can't emphasize it enough coming from someone who knows what it's like to, to have chronic lack of sleep. Brilliant. Thanks so much for that. That's going to be so valuable for everyone out there um, listening to this who might struggle with sleep or or not really even necessarily think that they struggle, but don't really have that that routine. Like you, you said, making sure that you have that opportunity, that window, but also that wind down time before it. Um, tell us a bit about um, your company and how what what kinds of problems you solve for clients um, in terms of nutrition um, or sleep or, or wherever you want to go with this. Oh, well, it's all all encompassing. I mean, um, Take Flight Nutrition was born um, about just over a year ago, actually, um, as a result of what I've experienced in my my life about changing my physique whilst because I did all the sort of bodybuilding stuff as well whilst flying. So, you know, different to but similar journey, still optimizing training and nutrition whilst uh, on a variable uh, schedule. Um, and I was fascinated by nutrition and for the pandemic, all of a sudden I became very rich in time, did the, uh, the course. And I don't really think at the time I planned to do much with it other than it was for my own benefit. I was just interested. I think there probably was a little inkling of a thought about a business, but it, it wasn't really sort of there in the forefront of, of my mind and, until, you know, I started getting back to work, uh, encouraged by by Alan saying, you know, you've got this qualification. Why don't you go out there and help people? And I'm like, oh, do you really think I could? And I'm like, yeah, of course you could. And again, you know, spending time with crew and seeing what their health issues are again around the sleep. Nutrition is a lot more difficult when you can't be in control of it um, 100% of the time. You know, when we have to improvise. We we eat out a lot. We eat at funny times. Um, so, you know, I started thinking about this, like, how can I help people like me, my, my, my peers, my colleagues around nutrition? So I had a look into it, but I started coaching actually, um, not crew uh, people were coming to me because they'd heard I'd done, I'd done the nutrition course. And recently I've been helping um, generally busy professional people so not necessarily pilots uh but just people who can't have as much control over what they're eating and where they're getting it from um people with a hectic like lifestyle around work play and family and so you know i teach them through not just nutrition but mindset techniques talking about things like sleep activity habit creation and generally Food freedom is something I'm really passionate about, which is, you know, I don't believe we should be cutting out any sorts of food or, or food groups um, on, besides health reasons, of course. But gaining an insight on what works for us as individuals, finding a solution that, that you can stick to um, rather than a particular diet. Um, we need to, we need to have uh, our own individual process that works. Ultimately, we will we will see success with that. So I don't actually send out diet plans, you know, eat this for breakfast, eat this lunch, because it, it just it just doesn't work. The client has full control over what they eat. You know, we discuss optimal protocols and have targets to aim for toward, uh, towards optimizing, optimizing diet and their lifestyle and the things that they like to do. Uh, and again, and we bring into things people probably haven't haven't thought of, you know, like getting a sleep routine, perhaps bringing in mindfulness into their day. Habit creation is a big one. Um, and uh, activity. I'm a big believer that everyone should be strength training. Uh, I know a lot of runners do neglect this. Um, coming from, you know, a, a weightlifting background, it's incredibly important for bones, for muscles. You know, once, once you get over the age of 40, we start to lose um muscle mass every single year so the biggest single best thing we can do to mitigate against that is is grow some more and by so by incorporating strength training in, into your day whichever way you enjoy um is is going to stand you in good stead as well so all of that 
uh, comes into my current coaching. But I'm about to start creating a more bespoke course for crew and, and pilots. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go yet, but it's going to involve, you know, light, like the use of the satellite, because that really changed my life. So it incorporates light, exercise, activity, nutrition, sleep. Um, I've been working in the background um, on uh, a platform with um, other flight crew colleagues and it's a platform for pilots initially um and eventually i think crew as well because obviously this 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 applies pilots cabin crew but anybody who is flying uh frequently um and what it does is address resilience uh, in this industry and there are various modules uh, um so there's one on exercise there's one on sleep uh, there's there's a whole host of mindset ones, and I've basically curated the whole nutrition course on there. So I've been keeping very busy. I think it's just about to be finalised now um, that pilots can go on to and go through and learn more about what nutrition is, why it's important, how they can optimise their diet, um, and I'm very 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 proud of that. So from that, I've got a whole host of uh, information there that I'm going to put together and, and hopefully create my own course um, for crew, uh, but also um, hopefully bring in some one-to-one um, pilot cabin crew specific coaching in the future. But but for now, I welcome absolutely anybody who thinks they might uh, be struggling with nutrition around a busy, hectic lifestyle, doesn't really know how to optimize sleep, doesn't know, you know, how to incorporate exercise, how important it is. And, and I help bring that all together into food freedom. So eat what you want um, within reason. And it fits in with you. And uh, I've had some incredible results, some some really happy clients. So I'm really glad I did start Take Flight Nutrition. Um, but it is uh, going through a little bit of an, ev- an evolution at the moment. And so um, ask me again next year and we'll see. We'll see where we're at with that. Yeah, that's really exciting to see where that's going. And it's something that sounds like it's so needed out there. Um, like you say, not just pilots, but anyone who's got a hectic lifestyle is going to be at risk of um, not really maintaining or staying on top of of these key elements of life. I guess it's not just, you know, obviously this is a running podcast and we're talking about um, running performance, but even if you scale it right back down to, you know, just general health, getting your sleep and, and your nutrition, do you think that um, the what, what are the biggest problems that, that you see for um certainly pilots, but anyone with a hectic lifestyle that you've you've seen in terms of the nutrition, is it the lack of um, knowledge or understanding around it? Or is it that com- uh, married with just poor planning around nutrition? Is there a, what what things can people do if they are really finding that they're, they're stuck for time or they've got awkward schedules to, to work around? Yeah, so you, you mentioned knowledge there. And um, the way we learn as, as pilots is through uh, acquiring knowledge, learning skills and application of those skills. So it's knowledge, skills and application. And that's how I kind of run my, my, my coaching. So I think knowing the why is behind thing can be really motivational to, to helping people actually incorporate uh, the skills into their daily life to ultimate success and application of those skills. So I'm very um, into the science behind nutrition. Uh, and again, if you're explaining to a client why something is important for, for example, protein or um, with regards to running, you know, the carbohydrates and the fuel, you know, not just you need to do this, but this is why, this is what is happening in your cells. If you don't do this, this might happen. So they go, ah, oh, now I understand. And if it's in the forefront of their minds, they're more likely to make better decisions moving forward. Um, the biggest problems a lot of my clients have are being able to prepare their own meals. So they're always on the go. So again, bringing the, that knowledge in knows that if they do have to go and, and eat out, which is going to be a lot of the time, they know what to prioritize on their plate. So I have I have tools that they can use to 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 choose an optimal 
meal when they're in a restaurant. Simple things, uh, well, things as simple as looking looking ahead at where they're going to eat and making decisions ahead that you know that's what they're going to have. Um, you know, going going to to a grab and go. You know, what's going to be more optimal to get to hit? You know, various targets depending on what what their goal is. What can I take with me on a flight so that I'm you know especially pilots you know you you just take a step back out the flight deck door there's there's a whole plethora of snacks on offer and it's generally biscuits crisps chocolate and you know 2 3 a.m in the morning your your ghrelin which is your hunger hormone is like is rife it's like right if you're not going to sleep then i'm going to make you damn hungry and it does you proper get the munchies at night so you you step out the flight deck for a comfort break and what you presented with you know all of these you know non-optimal because no food is banned every this place for all sorts of food, but non-optimal at that particular point so again educating them well what can you take with you to to attack those hunger cravings that is going to be give you more sustained energy let's say for you know the, the more busier uh, stages of flight later on and you know make them think about well okay those are there but what have I got with me that's going to be more optimal? So it's 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 talking through with clients, like what can you do to help yourself with the knowledge that you've gained by working with me? Um, but yeah, generally it's it's the the stuff when they're not at home. Um, and again, knowledge behind things like sleep. And, um, you know, we always look at a step count as well if they're not runners, because, you know, my, my clients, um, some some are runners, uh, some some don't do any um meaningful exercise um and that's what makes me different is i don't set exercise i don't give them gym workouts we look at what they enjoy doing and then that gets incorporated uh so yeah it's a very much a knowledge skills and application um procedure that that i use which can be applied to home in the aircraft and down route as well yeah i think definitely um, with people i've worked with it's it's when you're away from home is 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 really tricky to navigate unless you're prepared and you have the knowledge of what is potentially out there that you you could go to. And, and like you say, checking out the options ahead of time is a really good idea. Um, I was doing a drive last week um, and just stopped at the services uh, with no plan in mind, to be honest. And I was, uh, I'm not going to mention the chains, but it, there was a fast food chain there. <laughs> It was not my uh, optimal favorite fast food chain. So that's what I thought I was going to go in with. I had the mindset that I was just going to grab whatever was there. And then I had a look around and there was actually um, a nice uh, Thai place in there. And I managed to get some some tofu with some noodles. And it was actually a lot, probably, you know, still not maybe as quite as good as something I could have made at home, maybe in terms of the nutritional content. Um, but it was probably still better than opting for the first thing I saw. And yeah, the options of the options that you were presented with, you were able to make a more informed decision of something that is, you know, going to be going to be the best choice. So, yeah. But uh, that exactly. doesn't necessarily always happen. especially Sometimes we need to nourish our souls. And I absolutely yeah. encourage that. Like no food is banned. And if you want the chocolate bar, have the damn chocolate bar. You know, life is too short. There is room for everything. No, as I say, no food in my world will ever be banned. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, <laughs> that's almost a great point to leave it on. Um, but I do want to find out about your uh, marathon that's coming up in October. I think we should talk about that. Um, yeah. So you're doing venice in october and I, I believe that's that was again because you were fitting it around your schedule um so it was the one that happened to be uh, on in your week off um but it's it's very exciting it's not one that i've done or either had any clients do so um tell me a little bit about what you're expecting in venice and what you're excited and nervous about well i'm excited about going to venice because um, never been before. I, I've never been to Venice before. Um, so, you know, I'm, 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 you know, killing two birds with one stone in that, in that, you know, I get to see a beautiful city and also, you know, run, run my first marathon. Uh, and yeah, you're absolutely right. I had to project ahead and see when this week off was going to fall and what marathons were available. And the other criteria was they had to be flat and not too hot. So hopefully Venice at the end of October won't be too hot. Um, and it also had to not be 
round and round loops of the same thing. Uh, this is an A to B. So the actual Venice part is probably the last 5K or something. So you're going to be running um, through streets on, on the other side, on the mainland for, for the vast majority of it. Uh, but obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. If, if you'd have asked me three years ago, oh, Helen, you'll you'll run a marathon one day, I'd, I'd probably have laughed at you because it just wasn't on my on my radar at all. So I've got the Foxy Ladies and, and my Alan to, to thank for that. Um, obviously excited about finishing. Uh, Alan's running it with me. We, we actually got a two for one entry because the day we w went to look at, at doing it was Valentine's Day and they had a, you know, buy one, get one free offer on. So it's like, well, this, this is fate, isn't it? You know, I've logged on today and it's get one entry, get one free. Um, he's probably going to run his own race on that one. So I will be on my own. So I think my sort of um, worries, if I have any any worries about it, obviously it's an unknown for me with the longest I've ever run, but there's not going to be that support. And through listening to your podcast, through other other podcasts, it's like one of the biggest things of getting you around a marathon is is the support. So I'm, um, you know, a little a little nervous uh, on that front that that won't be there. But I, I think the novelty of being abroad and and seeing things I've never seen before, you know, will will help help get me through. Um, I'm also excited about the amount of food I'm going to get to eat uh, in the next uh, three four months. Um, I've just spent the last uh, three days. Well, I did I did this trail half marathon yesterday. The three days before, trying my best to cram in two thousand calories worth of carbs. Quite my difficult, goodness, isn't it? It's really difficult from someone who's been so protein focused for years. You know, with with the the bodybuilding, with the with the getting lean for photo shoots. It's like protein. I mean, protein is still incredibly important in in, in any in any anyone's world, but the carbs, man. I've just been struggling to get those down carbs. And so my nutrition, I'm I'm on my own nutrition journey. You know, I have my own area of expertise, but the whole endurance um, running, uh, fueling that I am leaving, you know, to the experts to help me with. So I'm, I'm struggling with that. So hopefully by the time I get to Venice, um, I'll have practiced that um, a few times. Um, I guess I'm a bit nervous about, injuries you know I have a little IT band niggle I've got a hip niggle I've got another hip niggle so um you know these these things are on my mind however this is I'm not expecting to get through marathon training you know uh scot-free um but yeah it's it's way off, but I know it will be upon me uh, sooner than, than I know but I've scheduled in a few days as well to actually enjoy enjoy venice if i can actually walk afterwards then um, i'll be able to see a little bit of the city as well um, yeah it's always yeah. a bit difficult to know whether to do the the sites before or after i i always think after is is better if you're certainly going for a, a certain performance but it's also difficult because yeah if, if you haven't done it before or even if you have some there's been some times recently where it's been difficult to walk around but actually i do think if you're able to walk around and do walk around the next day, then that often helps the recovery, keeps everything moving. And um, you actually end up not sort of, you know, not able to move for a week, which is, has definitely happened to me before when I haven't done that much. Um, yeah, that's that's really good advice. I mean, we we fly out on the Thursday and the marathon's on the Sunday. So, you know, I'm not going to be going mad in the days before other than going mad with the amount of pasta that I shoved down my mouth. Um, I mean, being in 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 Venice, it's one of the best places to carb up, I guess. Uh, but yeah. yeah, we have a free day the day after. So depending on on how we're feeling and hopefully get, get a few more steps in and and, and revel in, in this achievement that I've done. Um, yeah, I think I think um, you were saying you were worried about um, support. I, th I think I think runners are such a great community that usually, you know, there's someone someone going to be in and around your pace, you know, in the race that you'll be able to tack on to. Yeah. I don't know if you can speak any Italian and how many, know, how many visitors there's going to be, but <laughs> maybe learn some key phrases in, in Italian to get you through it. But yeah, I, I, there definitely will be the support of the other runners um, yeah. in a big race like that. Um, mm -hmm. But the 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 carb loads interesting as well because even though 
so before we did the the nutrition course together i was not really aware of how how important protein was and my my meals would just generally have been carb heavy and then uh, switching the focus onto protein was interesting for me but now going to the lengths of a proper carb load because my my knowledge of nutrition's gone on from the point of not knowing that you should eat some more carbs but yeah. it was kind of an un, undefined amount to having sort of set set guidelines and you know a calorie target or a, a gram target it's, it's actually a, a lot of carbs um to get yeah. in uh, even for right, me who likes a lot of carbs <laughs> yeah i don't i to be honest I, I don't think i quite managed it this last three days no. i was aiming for 480 grams of of carbs which which is like 2000 calories yeah. and just i couldn't I couldn't get it. I did my best. I got over 300 grams. Uh, I took carbs with me yesterday and, and it seemed to work. So, but yeah, it's a whole different ball game. You know, nutrition is, is so important. And again, along with sleep, one of the things that not just runners, but people in, in, in whatever chosen sport just don't really pay enough attention to. So this is why you and I, people like you and I um, exist to, to help, help those people and get them getting to the goals that they want to achieve. I think I think people often are a bit alarmed when when I talk about the carb load to them because it kind of looks the opposite of what you would think um, a normal optimum diet is. But you have yes. to remember <laughs> that it's it's only for a few days and it's for a specific goal in mind. So it's not like I'm advocating this is the way you should eat all the time. It's just um, it's just trying to get to the start line with with exactly. the tools that you need to get you through. Um, it's been fantastic talking to you, Helen. I've really enjoyed it. And I think the listeners are going to really enjoy this as well. Um, where can people come to learn a bit more about you and Take Flight Nutrition? Um, as I say, there is a website coming, but um, that's under construction at the moment. So the best place, quite honestly, to find me where I hang out all of the time is on Instagram. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, at Take Flight Nutrition and it's at Take underscore Flight underscore nutrition um and uh, i'm also on on facebook under my my name helen gearing um and uh, you're welcome to sort of come and follow follow me there as well fantastic um it's been so great to have you on um best of luck for all your training for for venice um best of luck with the 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 course for um pilots as you develop <laughs> that um and hopefully we'll get to chat again and find out how Venice went and um, how the business is going in the future. That would be a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time and I hope you've got something to take away and action in your own running. If you enjoyed the show, please hit subscribe and recommend it to someone you know. If you're struggling with your own training or want to get faster and stronger and not sure how to, the runningrules.com forward slash coaching is where you can find out more about getting personalized help with your running and nutrition to take you to the next level. Have a great week, stay consistent, focused, and most importantly, enjoy your running.